Welcome into another episode of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the phone from Texas by Nick Kruger today. Nick, how's it going? Man, I was a little under under the weather all week, but uh, you know, I'm rejuvenated. I'm excited for this podcast. I feel like it's going to be a really good one. Yeah, the super moon last night really uh, recharged your aura. I heard you did some meditating at midnight. Is that true? That's right. It was high tide. The gravitational pull just sucked the sickness right out of me. Oh, there you go. All right. Rob Cassidy not joining us this week because he was a uh, a surprise cancellation and got dropped in by some more schools as is, uh, you know, his regular thing. Uh, we want to <laughs> remind you. <laughs> we want to remind you, of course, uh, visit Ravels.com. That's our website. That's how we get paid uh, money. So that's important to us. Uh, we have tons of recruiting content up there, especially this time of year. It's a race to the finish line with signing day right around the corner. And then, of course, uh, to contact us. You can reach us at RivalsPodcast at Yahoo.com. And uh, go on iTunes, go on Google Play, subscribe, leave us a review, and uh, the show will come right to you uh, much easier than just trying to find it on the website every week. So, Nick, let's jump into it. Boy, we have got a few good topics this week. First of all, we'll start off with Jack Sears. Uh, He's a Rivals 250 quarterback, guy that's been at a ton of our camps over the the Jack years. And uh, he had committed to Duke. Over USC, which surprised a lot of people at the time. USC was struggling. We thought, you know, hey, he wants to go play for Cutcliffe and Duke. Then, uh, lo and behold, uh, friend of the podcast, Bruce Feldman, comes out with a report saying, uh, I think it was Sunday night, uh, saying that Duke has dropped blue chip quarterback Jack Sears, who had started to look around per source. Wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at USC. Now, of course, the kid committed to USC later that night because he didn't get dropped. He decommitted. So once again, the national media just getting tricked by listening to a Duke assistant coach, which is a whole nother, whole nother topic. But uh, what, what, what do you think about that, Nick? I know you've seen Sears a few times, but uh, USC finally gets their guy a quarterback and, and they get a local kid to stay home. So is this a situation like we've been talking about with a certain other school in the Big Ten where maybe he, he had been looking around and there was a mutual dis, uh, dissolution of the of the commitment between the school and, and player? Is that what we think might have happened? I, I don't think – I think he called Duke and told him he wasn't coming and they they played damage control. I don't think he said – you know, I don't think Duke told him you're dropped. And he said, oh, I better call USC and find out if they'll take me. That was never a situation. He visited USC for the Oregon game last weekend, or I guess it was two weekends ago now, uh, on an unofficial visit. And I think they sold him there. You know, Max Brown is leaving to transfer somewhere else. So they're going to be kind of light on quarterback bodies. And I think, you know, even with them having a redshirt freshman, having success, I think he uh, wants to come in there and, and have a chance to redshirt and maybe get a chance to play down the road. So, yeah, I think he made it on it. In my opinion, that's what happened. He he made the call himself. I don't think he was dropped. Well, Jack Sears, I mean, I you know, California prospect, committed to a school on the East Coast, two two areas that I have nothing to do with. But I, but I will say this. I mean, it, it's really, you know, when you commit to Duke, obviously a big part of that is the educational aspect of, of the considerations there. And that certainly has some merit to it. And, you know, for a kid to be traveling across the country to go play there, you know, we talk to kids all the time uh, a lot. And I don't know in Jack Sears case how much this applies to him. But I mean, that really doesn't give his parents and oppor- his family an opportunity to see him play regularly. Uh, whereas at, in at USC, that's a much more uh, feasible option for him. And you know, and we saw we've seen the success that uh, Darnold has uh, has had at quarterback this season for USC is a little bit more of a of a mobile option back there as opposed to uh, you know Stone Shoes Max Brown. 
uh, you know, it was just kind of a sitting duck back behind that offensive line. And for a guy to be a dual threat quarterback, somebody that can move around a little bit and uh, bring a little bit more dynamic presence uh, as a passer to that offense, I think that's probably a, a good fit for him there. He gets to stay close to home. And what California, you know, Southern California kid doesn't want to play for the Trojans and, and hasn't thought about that at some point, especially, you know, a, a highly ranked quarterback in this class. You mentioned the distance. I remember, you know, I, I got a lot of time to hang out with these guys at the uh, quarterback challenge uh, in Baltimore. He, he came up there, you know, a couple other guys were there, big name guys. And we were sitting there talking and he had just taken a visit to Tennessee. And he was like, man, it took so long to get there. You know, he was complaining about, he was like, I could imagine having to fly back and forth home. Uh, what of, you know, what of, you know, that's, that's, and listen, we, when we were living in Atlanta and, and we would go out to California for various work functions, I mean, that's a, it was a four and a half hour flight. Like, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, if you're telling me that I can travel across the country in under five hours, I mean, that's a, I mean, what, what a world we live in, right? I mean, how can you complain about that? <laughs> Well, yeah, I enjoy that. That LA, that Atlanta to LA flight's not bad, especially, you know, uh, like the time I came back with Ice Cube and uh, Common. I was pretty excited about that, as you remember. But I, I think getting to Knoxville, you know, that's another, you know, we're talking about another flight, et cetera. That's why I was surprised when he committed to Duke because you're looking probably at connecting through Chicago. I don't want to get into too much uh, airport math, but you know, you're still, you're, you're talking about at that point, you're getting into this, the six hour zone. Uh, and as someone whose family lives in Oregon, which, you know, we're, it's, we're talking about a long flight getting out there. Right. Uh, I was surprised that he committed to Duke, but you know, he wanted to, I think, you know, the, the lure of David Cutcliffe, you know, the guy who groomed, you know, the Manning brothers and has produced a ton of good quarterbacks. I think that was on his mind. But once USC got the ship turned around, it looked like Clay Helton was going to be there. I think that's why it made uh, the most sense for him to make that decision. So, you know, the, uh, in terms of Bruce Feldman, it's like, come on, man. You know, <laughs> why don't you ask the kid if he get? it's not that hard. If you're going to report, if you're going to report on recruiting, report on recruiting. Don't just throw a, throw the kid under the bus and make him look like he got dropped by Duke because that's what uh, an assistant coach told you. So anyway, yeah. whole nother, whole nother topic, Chase Rogers. Now, boy, this has been a contentious topic, but this was, this was meant for Rob because I've been just getting killed by the Tennessee fans about him being a two-star. He's a tight end from Mississippi. He's put up big numbers. He plays with uh, Miles Brennan, one of your favorite quarterbacks who's going to LSU. Yeah. And he visited Texas over the weekend for that West Virginia game, which you and I were watching intently, uh, texting back and forth. Yeah. He takes that trip, unofficial visit, ends up decommitting afterwards, backing off his Tennessee commitment. No word on from Bruce Feldman whether or not he was dropped or not. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I think I think he just decided to to reopen his recruitment based on his tweet. And I, I know Tennessee, you know, did like him. Uh, especially compared to the other tight end they just took, who's a converted quarterback. This is what this is what we want to talk about. Texas still has they they still have some mojo, Nick. They're five and five, but it seems like you know I know he's a two star. He's going to move up in the rankings. It's just a matter of when we're going to see him at Alabama, Mississippi. Um, but but does the, you know? Do you think that that Charlie Strong has done enough and has this pull with the recruits? The players seem to love him. That that he should get the chance because it seems like he could be in line to pull in another big class if he does stay. Well, there's no question that Texas is playing much better since he's uh, made a few changes uh, after the, after those first couple games of the season. I mean, they really 
the the percent for for whatever the perception is about Texas right now, they really could have helped themselves with a win last week at home against West Virginia. Uh, I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, a visit to uh, a visit to Texas, you know, in ter- in terms of Chase's uh, specific interest in Texas influenced his decommitment from Tennessee. There might be other factors at play there, as we know. It's always it's always a lot of moving parts when you're talking about a relationship with Tennessee and recruiting, but. It's like I said. I mean, they 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 really Charlie really needed to to get the win to cement probably his, uh, you know, se- secure his status there next season. I think you know it's really going to take. I I still think there's a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of apprehension as far as as far as forecasting what his future is at Texas until you know you, you know we see what these what what the last couple games of the season hold for him. Obviously, the the atmosphere in, in Tennessee. Is a great game day atmosphere. There's a ton of people there. They do the checkerboard thing in the, you know, in the in the crowd around the stadium. You know, Texas has a great home atmosphere too. Uh, you know, and I think for a recruit to come out and take visits and see that, uh, you know, when you when you've committed to Tennessee and you think that that's the end all be all of game day atmospheres and, uh, you know, and you can't imagine yourself playing anywhere else, but then you go to another school that has an, an equally, uh, you know, exciting game day atmosphere in its own right, and you see that there's other options for you besides the one that. Uh, you had in line and you know again maybe there was some things going on behind the scenes there with Tennessee you know that just that just leads to uh you know some other decision uh you know decision making processes uh to start to take place in your head you know I mean obviously there's a hole at uh tight end and there's plenty of room in Texas's uh recruiting class uh, so far this season so you know maybe we'll see him uh slide over to to Austin because of that but uh, you know, just in general, you know, I think there's, you know, I think he just kind of had an eye-opening experience there, and you know, and then that brought us to now, didn't it? Yeah, it's it is interesting to see him to see him open up and to see to see what the reaction is to Texas. You mentioned that empty recruiting class, and I think that you know, you and I both know the kids are waiting to see what happens. Uh, it's just it's just so interesting. It seems for me, I'm a total outsider, as you know, and it just seems like everyone's ready to move on. You know, the media or whatever from from Charlie Strong, at least from the outside. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know the temperature of the fans, you know, what they think. I'm sure they're not happy going five and five, but at the same time, there's a lot of talent on that team. I mean, you take in the guys they got from Baylor uh, that are, that are freshmen along with the big recruiting class they had. I mean, if you count them all together, whatever, that's a ton of talented players and guys that are going to be making plays, you know, for years to come down there. So whether it's for him or for a new coach, I, I think either way, I think either way, Texas is going to close strong because you assume if they get rid of Charlie, they're going to bring in a guy who, who brings that excitement and, and maybe helps them close strong in the recruiting class. So no, no real worries down there in Austin. I think they need to worry about getting to a bowl game because, the, you know, guess what? The new coach needs those extra two weeks to bring kids in on visits and stuff like that. Uh, during that time so. well no, I, no, I mean I, I'll say j- just to just to put a cap on it I mean I I would say that the that the trend seems to be that you know that Charlie and his staff are or maybe there'll be some more staff changes in the offseason it seems to feel like the temperature is that he's staying I'm just saying like the upside for for how Texas could have finished this year both in recruiting and the perception of fans would have been much you know it would have been a much sweeter taste in the mouth if they could have beat West Virginia this past weekend but we'll see what happens yeah, they were boy. They were they were pretty close, as we know from from watching that game. It, it came right down to the wire. Um, moving on, Nick Saban made a little bit of news this week talking on about election day, and this was another topic I'd really queued up to 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 let Rob uh, rant and rave. You know, he famously told these reporters uh, on Wednesday that he didn't even know it was election day on 
on Tuesday, uh, which, you know, I mean, come on, man. I think, I think that was a little bit ridiculous. And it, it, it kind of feeds into this topic of, uh, coaches, you know, that, that talk about how obsessed they are with football. We've heard a lot of them on this uh, very show say the same thing when Rob asks them what their favorite movie is or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was wondering. He didn't ask anybody who they were going to vote for, did he? <laughs> no, yeah. Where, where's the tough questions, Cassidy? <laughs> exactly. Lobbing them softballs. Um, so anyway, a lot of parents, you know, they, they talk to these schools about developing their kids for, for life, you know, turning them into men, things like that. And at one criticism, you know, Alabama gets basically whoever they want. But when they do miss on a big-time guy, the, the knock that we've heard is, you know, I don't want to go somewhere that's just a football factory. You know, I want to go to school. So do you think this gives ammunition to some of those schools that, that do recruit against Alabama? And we're talking about elite programs, obviously, because, you know, we've seen the kids on Twitter reacting to the election uh, and, and sort of trying to make their voice heard and things like that. Do you Do you think – uh, maybe some more enlightened coaches who say, okay, look, I want my, I don't want my kids to be robots. This helps maybe recruit them and, and their parents down the stretch run here. Well, let, you know, let me, let me just say a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of things separately from each other that all sort of work together. Maybe, you know, there, there's a few, there's a few States as far as voting goes, where you could probably forecast with, with a pretty high level of certainty that no matter who you vote for, uh, a certain candidate is going to win that state, and I'm not saying uh, anything about Alabama specifically, but maybe Nick Saban thought that his vote might not have, uh, d- despite how big of a, a, a person he is to the state of Alabama, I'm not sure that his vote counted any more than just a single, <laughs> a single tally on the on the total count. So, uh, so he might have thought the fate was sealed for Alabama, regardless who he voted for. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a, uh, you know, a GA maybe send in a, an early vote for him on his behalf. Uh, so, so he didn't have to think about, uh, going to the polls on election day. Can you imagine what it would be like if Nick Saban showed up at your precinct when you were trying to vote? I mean, it would just be a zoo, wouldn't it? Yeah, boy, they'd be running into the old voting booth trying to get, you know, he'd get a lot of write-in votes probably at the time when he was in there. People looked around and saw him, I would imagine, right? Boy, can you imagine who was the uh, who who was the the third party candidate? Uh, Gary was it Gary, Gary Johnson? Johnson? Can you imagine? Can you imagine poor Gary Johnson looking at all the red and blue popping up, and then Alabama shows up in in crimson, and uh, Nick Saban is a writing candidate. <laughs> Although Alabama fans are uh, Alabama fans would know, you know, we can't put we can't put Nick Saban in the White House because then who would coach the team, right? And then we have a then we have a whole nother scenario. So. Uh, you know, I think, I, you know, as you and I know, as far as uh, Tuscaloosa goes, I mean, when you go when you go to when you go to school in Tuscaloosa, I mean, what else are you going to do besides playing football if you're a football player? Right. I mean, you know, there's only there's only so many other options for, for yourself. So when you commit to that school, you know exactly what you're getting into and, and that's what you're signing up for. And you take uh, you take the hit. And I think at this point now, I mean, you know, they've they've had their roster so loaded. I mean, we see guys. Uh, you know, like Bo Scarborough is a perfect example. I mean, he was a guy that uh, I remember covering very early in my rival's career, and and only now over the past you know season and a half as he started taking on a more significant role with the team. I mean, it's not a situation at Alabama in a lot of cases where you're coming in there for three years and 
you know, getting out of there early and going on to the NFL, despite how many NFL type talents they produce. I mean, you might be you might be in there for for the long haul, and and so you got to know going into that situation. There's not a ton, uh, not not a ton of entertainment options outside of football for yourself in Tuscaloosa. You're in there for the long haul, but you're probably going to come out uh, on the other end of it as an NFL prospect. Well, I just think the bottom line, I'm sure, you know, he knew it was election day. I don't think he wanted to talk about it with the reporters, but then just say that, just say, you know, Hey guys, I don't want to talk about the election. I mean, you know, there's nothing good's going to come of it, which is, you know, the approach that you and I, uh, generally take, uh, with people. I mean, you know, obviously no public comments from us on, on anything related to that one way or another, uh, Wish I could say the same for some other people uh, <laughs> who who work here, but uh, especially with my Twitter being under constant scrutiny. Uh, but anyway, that's a that's a whole. That's, I'd be better off tweeting about the election than than other things. But uh, anywho, that's a, that's a personal issue I have. So <laughs> you know, just say just say you don't want to talk about it, Nikki. Come on, man, don't make. Well, it he's big, he's made comment he's made comments like this before about various things. Where, you know, and and not just him too. Every coach makes comments where we're just kind of we're kind of like, come on, the, we know he's a little more self aware than that, and he's just messing around with, you know, the question at hand. I guess right. The, I mean, you know, the, I had to remind you it was your dad's birthday this week, so I guess uh, we do <laughs> we do have a little time. <laughs> He's, I don't. I don't think your dad listens to the show, Nick. I no, but my brother you. does. Happy birthday, Dad! I love you. I'll see <laughs> yeah, you in a couple of days birthday, for Jerry. Thanksgiving. <laughs> I wish I was. Uh, you know, we used to make the old pilgrimage down to Florida together for our respective uh, father figure birthdays, but uh, not this year. Not happening. Yeah. Um, so anyway, moving on. Uh, now there's, there was some talk last week. It kind of slipped under the radar in terms of the recruiting aspect, the big 10 adding Friday night games. And there was, you know, some big 10 fans were, were real unhappy about this. I think Northwestern has to play a couple of them. Uh, there were a few teams, I think Michigan most notably saying that they didn't want to play them. Uh, didn't want, you know, didn't want to host them. Um, and, and the reason why, you know, there, there's some talk about can, can it hurt high school football, things like that. But I think you and I both know from a recruiting perspective, the main reason schools don't want to host Friday night games is because you can't host recruits. There's no – the recruits are playing on Friday night. So the point of having a home game, you only have, you know, six a year is to to get kids in there, whether it's unofficial visitors, whether it's young kids, whether it's official visitors or, so, or more important things like that. You want them to experience the game day atmosphere and having a Friday night game limits that. You know, obviously it hurts a lot of fans that are that are traveling in from out of town at a place like Michigan where they have a, you know, 100,000 seat stadium, fans coming from all over. But uh, what's your take on Friday night games? I, I really don't. I don't like them. I don't mind the Thursday game because it gives us something to watch. But obviously, Friday night, so we're out at at high school games as well, and and kids can visit on Thursday nights. We've seen, you know, Lamont Wade is a five star visited Tennessee for a Thursday game earlier this year. It's possible. Um, but, but what do you think, Nick? I know, I know, not a lot of Texas Texas colleges playing Friday night games. That's for sure. Uh, well, I think you know when you're talking about it as a conference, if you're if you're a school in a certain conference and they say to you, "Hey, listen, we're going to start playing Friday night games now." I don't know. I don't know what the breakdown would be for uh, the number of Friday night games each each team would have to play. I mean, obviously, you just said Northwestern has a few on the schedule, which is uh, detrimental. I mean, if you told every if you told every school that they had to play one and that was the end of it, you know, I mean, I don't think that would be a huge deal. 
you just try and you just try and uh, schedule maybe one of your softer uh, your opponents on your schedule for for that Friday night game, uh, be it you know out of conference or whatever. Because at that point, you know it's you're really just talking about what what you can collect at the gate. Remember before we had uh, Florida and LSU have to reschedule their games. They had who did they have Alabama A and M and whoever uh Wofford or something we'll say I mean let's say that was let's say that was the game that you scheduled for Friday night you know that's not that's not really something that you're going to gain a lot of uh ground of you know from on a recruiting front as far as you know setting the stage for a big time game atmosphere when you're hosting kids but it's still an opportunity for students and fans of that school to come out tailgate get rowdy on a Friday night because Friday night is a night where people go out, so that's fine. And you're still collecting, uh, you know, you're still collecting your gate. You get an easy breezy win on a Friday night, and uh, you don't worry about losing a big recruiting weekend. I mean, that that's really the best case scenario, I think, for for schools uh, being being forced to have to do that, right? Yeah, lo- looking at the schedule here, it's got you know uh, Washington at Rutgers, which I consider a, that's a marquee non-conference game if you're Rutgers. Uh, Utah State at Wisconsin, okay. Uh, Ohio at Purdue, those are the type of games you're talking about. But then you've got Nebraska at Illinois, Northwestern at Maryland, Michigan State at Northwestern. Those are those are conference games. And I think the theory is, oh, you know, they'll be on TV. I heard a couple other people say they'll be on every TV and every bar in America. Well, it's like, cool. What does that do for if I'm Northwestern? If some jabroni's in a bar on a f- Friday night are watching me play, you know what I mean? I, I I understand you get seen in theory, you get seen by more people, but the bottom line is, you know, these, you want the, you want exposure, you want national TV games. So your profile grows among the recruiting base that that you're trying to pull in. So uh, I, I don't know. It has its ups and its downs. They need the money from the TV deal, obviously, but I don't know. I, I, I Leave the games on, especially like you say, if you're Northwestern, okay, they got to play. They got to play a game on Friday on October 13th and another one on October 27th. We have to assume they have a game uh, in the middle there on on the 21st. So then they're going to have a short week, you know, headed into a big game against Michigan State. So I, you know, I don't, I didn't look at their schedule to see when their bye is or whatever, but. I'm out. I'm out on it, Nick. <laughs> no, no, no Friday night games. Like, like this week, you know, who's playing on Friday, UNLV and Boise State at 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I can see why they want to do that. You know, it's not like if Boise State doesn't have the same type of unofficial visitors that a, that a school like, you know, uh, Michigan might have or something. But I think it's, uh, I just, I just, we've seen in the NFL that the Thursday night games are horrible every week yeah. and I don't watch them. You know, do you, do you watch, I mean, you know, you don't even want your fantasy players playing in them. It's brutal. So, right. um, yeah, I'm, I'm out on that. Um, moving on, we had, uh, some news out on the West coast this week as a four star Elijah Molden committed to Washington. Part of a big weekend for them is they nabbed two four star commits, even though they lost, uh, to USC didn't didn't hurt their recruiting at all. Now, what what makes a big deal for Molden is he is a uh, Oregon legacy. His dad, Alex Molden, played for the Ducks on their famous uh, Rose Bowl team back in the day, and I think he you know he lives in Oregon still. He's been seen around the program. It was one of those things where we most most people expected it to be a matter of time before he committed to Oregon. Their season this year hasn't helped them, but I, I read an article in the Oregonian. Uh, talking about the attitude of Oregon recruiting and maybe not putting in the effort 
and, and sort of expecting kids to just uh, select them rather than, you know, them putting in the work. They're late to offer. We've talked about it before. Now they're late to offer kids in state. They only have two of the top 10 players in the state of Oregon committed. The rest are all going uh, to power five schools as well. So it's not like, you know, we're talking about guys that are going to Montana or, or the aforementioned Utah state. Now it looks like Mark Helfrich is going to get fired. Oregon's got the number 31 class, uh, in the nation right now. Who, who do you you think that class, I I think it's going to fall apart. It has to, right? I mean, if they fire him and some of these longtime assistants, what do, you, what do you think Oregon's got to do to get its uh, swagger back there, Nick? Is a new coach the answer, or, or what's your take? Yeah, new coach is definitely the answer out there. I mean, what what did we what did, what were we talking about at the end of signing day last year when uh, Helfrich came out and you know, I mean, what what was the what was the comment that he made about you know the caliber of kids that we perceived to be him him getting commitments from? He made some sort of. You know, yeah, yeah, he did. I forgot he did take. Was it a shot at us? Is that what it was? Yeah, or? I mean, maybe, maybe just yeah, just uh, you know, rankings and and recruiting, uh, you know, uh, grading in in general. You know, they, they there was def, there's definitely been a uh, you know, from, from my from my perspective, there's definitely been a feel of you know, kids are going to seek us out. We have the uniforms, we have the Nike backing, so on and so forth. You know, the the you know, I you've you've been to a number of games there. I assume the the game day atmosphere is is pretty good out there, being that they're the only uh, sort of game in town in that that neck of the woods. So, so they probably thought that it was a situation where it recruits itself, and uh, you know, and, and didn't really have to do as much legwork as they expected to. Obviously, the the profile of that offense has been uh, get up and get moving, and you know, they they've had a rip, uh, you know a, a history of getting you know speedy guys into into that offense and you know producing, but it's just not. You know, it's just not happening, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, and they're suffering for it. And, and you know, and and to continue to think that a you know that a school will recruit itself when the results aren't there is uh you know that that's that's a that's a tough tough spot to put yourself in. You know. Yeah, and I think you know. Well, obviously, the the Helfrich's first year, I be, I think it was his first year. Uh, maybe maybe it was. I can't remember the the timeline anyway. He, uh, <laughs> they, they went to the national championship game with Marcus Mariota. I believe it was, I believe it was his second year. So, so he's had success, um, on, on that front. But what, what you have to realize is, I think Mariota made up for a lot of, uh, Mar- Mario talk, excuse me. Uh, the, the Titans <laughs> fans actually corrected me the other day. Like, I think it's Mariota actually per, uh, <laughs> per Goodell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mariotto. Um, yeah, I forgot they butchered his name. Anyway, it's it's been it's been tough. I think he made up for a lot of deficiencies, and they just haven't recruited. And the problem is, five years ago, you're right. They had the they had the cool offense. They had the cool uniforms. Guess what? Everybody has that now. I mean, the 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 uniform thing. They started it. Sure, they started it 15 years ago. But now everybody's caught up. I mean, we see Ohio State. We see, you know, the Adidas schools now pushing in with with five, six, seven different uniforms a year. Uh, they they do their uniform reveal every week, and the kids still love it. But at the same time, like I said, that's everybody has that, and and the the, the lack of offers is what kills them. Now they won't, they only want to offer guys that they want to take. You know, they they treat it like. Okay, we have 25 offers out now. That's all we're going to take in this class or they'll let a kid know, hey, your offer is no longer committable, which is, you know, 
admirable from a perspective of, of, Hey, of adults. But in terms of the way these kids think you can't host a, they hosted a four-star linebacker from California on an official visit who didn't even have an offer. And they end up offering the kid on the trip. But I mean, at that point, you know, the kid's got 30 offers and he's had kids, the school's telling him how bad they want him for two years. And you, you say, okay, well, Hey, guess what, son, you finally have an offer. And the kid's like, okay, you guys are two and seven or three and seven, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, coach. So I think a new coach and more importantly, and, and there's a lot of coaches that have been there a long time, you know, friend of the podcast, uh, Brent Haverly famously played there. I talked to him this week and he said, you know, there's a lot of guys who helped build that program in that building. And I said, you know, Hey, <laughs> it's not show friends, Brent. It's show yeah. business. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What have you done for me lately? For sure. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, maybe the guys have lost the uh, the vigor, and the key is to have young recruiting guys. We saw Scott Frost leave Oregon and go to UCF, which was zero twelve, and had a staff with uh, George O'Leary. He leaves. He leaves after going winless. And guess what? They're six and four and going to a bowl game. They have one of the best defenses in the country. Their their defensive coordinator came uh, from Oregon as well. So you got to wonder, you know. Well, the bottom line is, you know, and and it's not it's not unique to Oregon. I mean, it's you know, it's a situation that every. So the difference, the biggest difference between an NFL and a college program, for example, is. You know, it, it, you, in college, you have to constantly adapt, right? I mean, your your talent pool, you're you're always adjusting your roster because you have so much more player movement. You have so many more players to keep track of, to monitor, to develop. It's it's such a, I mean, it's 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 you're always in a state of flux. Whether you're talking about recruiting, your success on the field, your the teams in your own conference, <laughs> in some cases, I mean, nothing nothing ever stays this nothing ever stays static in college football. So so for you, you know, I mean, in very rare circumstances, unless you're in Alabama or maybe like in Ohio State. I mean, there's very few programs that you can count on, uh, you know, that that are going to that are always going to have the cash of of being able to, you know, just count on things replacing themselves and be and even and even in those cases, those are situations where you have to be able you have to be able to adapt on some level to maintain your level of success. And if you get into a situ- a comfortable situation as they as they had in Oregon, it seems, you're going to suffer for it. Right, and make no mistake, the kids still love Oregon, but you you have to go get them. You can't expect them to come to you. You you have to you know you have to have satellite camp. You know, when, think about it. The doors were open for them to have satellite camps all over the country, and I, I think a few coaches popped in here or there. But that was one of the things I read in the aforementioned Oregonian piece that that you know there were coaches at the big satellite camp in Portland who didn't even know that who the top prospects were at that event. So. Um, the, the, and you and I experienced that a lot with a lot of coaches. I mean, I run into coaches at college coaches at high school football games who ask me to look at my sheet to see who I'm there to watch. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> and I'm wondering like, what are you doing here? Like you, you, this is this, you flew all the way down here from, you know, a state in the Midwest to to watch this game. And you didn't even bother to do research on which players are in the game. I mean, it's kind of unusual, um, and that's you know that's not related to Oregon. But well, that, don't that sell yourself short so, for you know your your reputation as an expert in the college football. Well, world. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so you're an expert. Well, we, <laughs> we all know that we we all know that I do do a, a excellent prep prep sheet before I go to games, uh, which I'm sure you miss uh, now that you have to do it yourself down there in old uh, Texas. But uh, 
no interview this week. We do have a Mike Leach interview that ran on Monday. I would highly advise checking that out. Very entertaining discussion. He he got into rants and recommendations right out of the gate, complaining about Cubs fans, uh, which which I really enjoyed. That was an enjoyable listen. I I would I think anybody would enjoy listening to that. Uh, be sure to check it out. We take a look now for the tweet of the week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. And been a few weeks before we've had one, and uh, this week's goes to uh, some kid who tweeted at me, Malik. <laughs> I'm trying to find his real name, of course. Which guess what, Malik? If I can't find your real name, Malik Root from uh, Griffin High School. Uh, I think I remember. I do remember seeing Malik at some camps uh, earlier on in his career, Griffin here in in Georgia, and he he had to uh, he had a unique tweet. Let me get it pulled back up here. Sorry, Nick. He said, I'm worried about me. You worried about me. One of us worried about the wrong thing. <laughs> and with the, uh, <laughs> with the little uh, thinking emoji, chin scratch emoji, whatever it is. Right. So uh, I retweeted him. 116 retweets for Malik, which is, I, I consider that pretty good, uh, considering he, you know, he's got uh, 2,000 followers. So um, anyway, very, very funny. Got a good laugh out of that. Now, the game of the week. Uh, this week, oh, excuse me, last week we had Baylor at Oklahoma. You and I both took the Sooners. Rob took Baylor. Guess what, Rob? You wrong. Yeah. Um, Nick and Rob now seven and three on the season. Still good records, tied for the lead. I'm bringing up the rear at six and four. So this week we have Washington State at Colorado. Uh, the aforementioned Mike Leach, friend of the show. Now, uh, guess what? This is a rivals uh, podcast matchup because we also had Colorado's head coach on the show. That's right. Uh, early earlier in the fall. So uh, how about that, uh, Pac-12 fans? Colorado favored by four at home. So, Nick, you figure they get the three points because it's a home game, but old Vegas saying they're one point better than than your uh, Washington State Cougars. What's your pick here? Well, man, boy, this is a tough one. You know, this is this is a this is a very tasty matchup. Washington State, uh, a little bit of a swoon. You know, when you're talking about it over the past four weeks, they ha- they had a little bit of a uh, you know a little bit of a speed bump sort of scenario in their games against Arizona State and Oregon State. Uh, you know, just kind of barely edging those two teams. They really got things back on track the past couple of weeks with big wins against Arizona and California. Uh, got their mojo back at home. Now they're on the road at Colorado, who's been, uh, you know, one of the favorite teams here in Texas. Obviously, they've been doing a lot of uh, recruiting here with with some of the kids, uh, you know, in this neck of the woods. And, and Colorado, what's interesting about them is, uh, despite them having, uh, you know, a dynamic sort of offense, they do kind of do uh, sort of like a pace control sort of uh, style to things where they kind of, you know, alter the flow of the game. I can't really explain it the way that I want to, but I think it's really going to present a, an interesting problem for Washington State and their get-up-and-go style of offense. So so the the four-point spread is interesting to me because I, I would put Washington State as the favorite in this game. Maybe this is a game where you take the Washington State money line and, you know, kind of let that roll. I'm not really sure what the... Uh, what the situ- what the payout would be for that if you were to bet um but i you know i'm going to i'm going to say that washington state you know is motivated now this is this is the best season they've had in years they've got things going back in the right direction colorado's been a nice story 
But I think Washington State at this point, you know, is really playing for something this year. And, uh, you know, and, and I think they, they walk out of there, maybe just maybe just barely clear that four point spread. Uh, but but I think they're, they've got enough to enough in the can to, to take a, the upset out of this one here. Oh, boy, that's an interesting pick, Nick. But I'm going to go the other way. The old Buffaloes. Guess what? They got something to play for. Uh, you ever heard of the Pac-12 championship game? Uh, they're, they're trying to win the Pac-12 South. Maybe set up a rematch uh, with Washington State, although I'm not I'm not sure how that shakes out. If uh, I guess Washington State would have to beat Washington in the old Apple Cup. Um, but I'm, I'm taking the Buffaloes uh, minus four. I think they cover that. I think they win the game. And uh, old Ralphie got to be running right into wherever they have the Pac-12 championship these days. Levi Stadium maybe in, in San Francisco. Um, we'll get Rob's pick off the air. I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I don't know who he'll pick. I might, my, my guess would be he'll pick uh, old Wazoo. I think Colorado is going to run it right up there, Wazoo, uh, this, <laughs> this week. <laughs> that was a special shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Kevin Burrell, who we used to say that quite a bit when we played NCAA football. Uh, now this week, Nick, we're getting down to crunch time with the playoff or the college football playoff, the final four. And I, we figured we wanted to make our own picks. The, the listing came out last night for the, a lot of people who are listening to this on a Wednesday. Uh, but we wanted to make our picks. Here's how we see it. Things shaking out. Number one, Alabama, easy call, right? Obviously. Right. Now, Nick, you and I, you and I decided to go with Ohio state. Number two, obviously this is going to be contingent on them playing uh michigan later in the year but uh we give the nod to the buckeyes in the second spot now this is this is where it gets controversial number three clemson despite losing we leave them at number three well what was your rationale there Nick? uh you know clemson we've seen have some up and downs uh they got things back on track against syracuse you know kind of kind of got you know kind of got taken by surprise there by pittsburgh this past week but uh, you know, when you when you think about teams in a situation where we've got a number of teams here with one one or two losses, and you're trying to s- cipher through, uh, you know where where you want to order them. When you talk about Clemson, what are the two things that you talk about first? Deshaun Watson and their defense. And even though they even though they took a tough one to Pittsburgh here uh, this past week, you got you got to think that between those two factors, that still makes them uh, one of the more legitimate teams in college football. Yeah, I, I agree that I, I still like Clemson. I mean, let's not forget that they beat Louisville, they beat Florida State, and it was a tough loss. It was it was crazy the way things shook out there at the end uh, against Pitt. But uh, I still think the Tigers went out, win the conference, and they're in. And then the old number four, we went ahead and went with Louisville. Lamar Jackson, uh, the presumed Heisman Trophy winner, got a big game Thursday night against Houston. Maybe a chance for him to kind of put the cherry on the top there. I think he's going to have a huge game in that one. Um, and we picked them number four. Michigan gets left out. Their quarterback just got hurt. Uh, I think that's that's our pick, and that's how we see things shaking out as of this week. I mean, that's not the final the final pick, but right now, boy, what a dream matchup that would be, though. Louisville against Alabama, that would be really fun, and Ohio State against Clemson, uh, another super fun game. So, anyway, if you disagree with us. Tweet at us, call us names. You, you know how to find us. Now, <laughs> Nick, rants and recommendations. We're back. We're better than ever. Just the two of us this week. Uh, I guess you should go ahead and give. You got a you got a little plug to give this week. So why don't you go first with your recommendation? All right. Well, uh, two two things for me to bring up. Uh, you know, the first 
The first thing this past weekend, I actually made it out to go check out a movie. I went to go see The Arrival, you know, the new uh, alien suspense movie with Amy Adams and uh, Jeremy Renner, uh, aka Hawkeye, coming in and, uh, you know, really get, really creating a buzz on the movie scene. Obviously, Doctor Strange and Trolls uh, are the two movies ahead of it. But The Arrival, an interesting movie because uh, you see it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a non-traditional alien movie with a, with a, a different sort of plot line. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's a make you think sort of, uh, ending to things and, and, uh, the way things kind of shake out in that movie. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to see a movie, uh, that's a little bit, you know, a little bit more thought provoking than, you know, just the mindless entertainment that we're used to seeing on the Hollywood front, uh, you know, the arrival is a, a good use of an hour and 45 minutes, I would say. The other thing, and most importantly, uh, we're doing our very first basketball Commitment Issues podcast in in light of the uh, early signing day period. I'll actually be hosting that uh, with with our national basketball recruiting analyst Eric Bossy and of course Kristen Peak, who's done a, a magnificent job, uh, you know, getting player interviews and and getting out a lot of highlights from basketball players. The two of them have really uh, have really taken the the hoops recruiting world by storm as far as uh, Rivals.com is concerned. So they'll have thoughts and. Uh, stories from from the early signing period, and you know, and plenty of analysis there. So I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, you know. Hey, listen, you know, a lot of these a lot of these big time football schools have pretty decent basketball programs too. So there's probably a few of you listening uh, that are going to have some interest in some of these teams and, and the players that they picked up. So uh, I'll be editing both both this and the hoops. Uh, podcast today so both of those will be out in short order so uh you know if you're on if you're on the road or doing chores or whatever i always encourage you uh to listen to all of our multimedia content here on rivals.com and i think we're going to put it in this in this feed correct on itunes but i'm not i haven't received nah, throw it in there orders. throw it in there let them let them yeah, you know bet. we need the listens people <laughs> yeah, will listen so to anything yeah, you know, at least, at least download it. You don't have to listen to it. Just download it and delete it. But at least that's all. That's what we get credit for once you hit the old download button. Uh, so, so at least give us that. So we'll 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 be on the lookout for that. Anybody who loves to hear Nick talk uh, can tune into that as well. Uh, let's see. What are we getting back to? My complaint. Oh boy, Nick. <laughs> 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 I don't, I, I'm already exhausted just just thinking about it. Yeah. The reply all situation that we have at Rivals.com has hit critical mass. Okay? Yes. Several times we have a conference call or something that gets rescheduled. And guess what? So, you know, it needs to happen. So someone will send out an email. Hey, you know, we're rescheduling the call for Thursday at, at 2. Let me know if you have any conflicts. At which point that opens the floodgates for people to reply to everyone and say, nope, 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 <laughs> no conflicts. <laughs> I'm good. I'm open all day. Yeah, we know. I said, I said, reply, I said, you know, I'm not sending out these emails. The person who sent out the email is saying, reply to me if you have any conflicts. Don't reply to everyone if you have no conflicts. It's the complete opposite of what the email says. So... I mean, these reply all chains. We've seen them. We've seen it. Well, time listen, and time listen. Again. Here's here's everything. Here's everything you need to know right now. And you're more proactive about this than I am. But I'm looking at my email inbox right now, and this is after I've done a fair amount of deletion from some, you know, from a variety of, uh, you know, corporate uh, email chains and newsletters and things like that. Do you want to? Do you want to know what my uh, total count in my inbox is right now? Well, it's got to be a high number. Let's hear it. Seven thousand eight hundred and eighty-seven. <laughs> 
Jeez. That's not unread. That's total emails, right? Uh, well, most of it's unread because I don't really like email as my superiors will <laughs> yeah, vouch for. We know. We, we, we know. Nick and I have worked together at several jobs and several which have uh, he's had email issues. Several of those emails from me of the 7,000, uh, by the way. <laughs> but listen. You want to know why you have 7,000 emails? Because you got people replying saying, yeah, yeah. and sending it to 38 people. Right. Uh, we, we had a boss previous, uh, Eric Winter, who got a shout out on uh, the episode where we interviewed uh, the host of American Ninja Warrior. And he used to famously reply, he would put at the bottom of his emails, please don't reply all. And guess what? I totally agree with you. We miss you, Eric. We I hate reply alls. You're wasting people's time. You're wasting your own time. As a matter of fact, because if you have no conflicts, just don't reply. You're you're spending time to say no. I have no conflicts. <laughs> so anyway, it, you know, guess what? This is not a personal issue with anybody. This is just it's ideological. There's plenty of articles about it on the internet about reply all etiquette. You know, t- take a read, take a look at those. I highly advise Google. Why shouldn't I reply all and 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 enlighten yourself bring yourself into the 21st century where you you know you don't have to tell we got slack we got all kinds of you know yeah, instant slack, messaging yeah. platforms here well whether you like slack or not guess what if you if you don't have a conflict reply via slack and say hey thanks you know i don't have a conflict don't 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 loop in the entire world um you know and and you and i both know that boy there's some other ones we get we get stuck on which which are not even related to rivals which are yahoo related and a uh, lot of rep- lot of reply alls. So um, don't do it, people. Don't reply all. Now, next, this is going to be a, a weekly recommendation as we lead up to Christmas. Nick, I have to tell you every year how many times I have to tell you, go out, buy yourself a real Christmas tree. Do not buy- get a fake tree. And if you have a fake tree, you know, you're going to take a long look in the mirror because... <laughs> You're probably eating some red velvet cake, too. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I bet. Sit down at your table, eat some red velvet cake, reply all to some emails, and look at your fake Christmas tree. (laughs) Because, you know, first of all, horrible for the environment, number one. Everyone's like, oh, why? We're not cutting trees out of a forest. Guess what? Christmas trees are farmed. You don't view yourself as cutting you know, orange orange trees down in the forest. They grow trees. They cut the trees down. They immediately replace them. You know, it's a cycle. I grew up on a Christmas tree farm, still have uh, uh, several friends and family who work in the uh, Christmas tree industry. Uh, go go out and buy a real tree. A lot of times they're being sold by churches or uh, organizations that are raising money for charity anyway. You know, do the right thing, people. Do you, do you, don't you want to walk into your house and smell the aroma? Oh, of that's nice just what fresh- I was going to say, man. You know, Christmas is always, uh, of all of all the holidays, there's a big reason why Christmas really wins out in a lot of cases for most people. I mean, the level of nostalgia is just through the roof with Christmas. When you think about getting the family together, getting every, you know, opening presents under the tree, all that stuff. But what's, you know, Woody, we all know, what's the, what's the strongest sense tied to memory? Smell, right? Yes. Yes, and smell. and what smells better than a natural, real Fraser fur right there and right there in the in the in the great room or the family room, you know? Right. Yeah, you know, a lot of people like the Fraser furs. You know, I grew up in Douglas County, Oregon. 
Douglas fir is a little harder to put the ornaments on, uh, but they are the traditional tree. Also, uh, noble fir. I would highly advise people looking into those as well in terms of the ability to uh, hang ornaments and give you everything you need there. Big, big fan of those as well. So uh, those, are, those are a little more spendy. So for our high-end listeners, uh, artificial trees first. you've got you've got gaps in the branches you got you know i mean you get an up, up close look at the tree and you just see like the the vinyl little strips that they have for the for the needles come on people yeah guess what do you if you were going to get someone flowers would you get them fake flowers no it, it's the same thing you're cutting down a plant when you give someone flowers so you know exactly. I'm with you. We can just run this. We just we just cut this and, and run it on a weekly basis. Uh, support <laughs> local farmers. Then guess what? Don't put up your Christmas tree before Thanksgiving either. So that's what got me on this. I saw someone with a pitiful fake tree in their house, uh, and it really really made me angry. So I was going to say short episode, but I'm looking at we're still looking at uh, upwards of 50 minutes. So uh, we'll get out of here. Reminder, you know, once again, subscribe on iTunes. Listen to the Basketball Podcast, which uh, will also be delivered to your feed, hopefully. Visit Rivals.com. Leave us a rating everywhere, etc. And uh, listen to our boy, M. Deuce, on SoundCloud, providing the beat that you hear for this show every week and, and several other beats. Um, <laughs> boy, Nick, I forgot. M. Deuce really enjoyed that uh, Thanksgiving grandma song. I saw oh man! L- listen, then M. Deuce might not mind if we close out the close out this <laughs> this podcast. Yeah, this is... <laughs> yeah go talk, ahead. Talk about like... talk about a tweet of the week. We really missed the boat on that one. We might have to. This is yeah. it's a dual tweet of the week situation. Yeah, well, we, well, we can play it now. We can play it on the Thanksgiving episode. That song's awesome. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode next week. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, rabbit. Beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, raw, raw. Beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, chicken, turkeys.